The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Good Morning New York. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live from uh, Blastoff Studios in Times Square. I have mentioned on this show two weeks ago that last year, The Real Deal, a New York industry publication, set out to find another um, under 35-year-old agent that is making a splash in the residential, commercial, and new development deals. <clears throat> but this morning, I'm going to talk to a top performer, Dorothy Somak from Halstead Property, and find out what makes her so successful and a part of the ultimate fabric of this city. She is a veteran in the business and has taken uh, her business to great heights. Also, later, our panel of experts will be here to discuss the topics of the day. A little bit about Dorothy. She began in real estate as manager of a small development firm where she provided on-site oversight of the company's fast-growing portfolio of residential rental properties. She then ventured into entrepreneurialism and founded Somac Realty uh, Company, a firm focused on property sales and rentals as well as real estate investments. Throughout her illustrious career, she possessed a keen eye for development and construction. This inspired her to enter the building and renovation business and apply her vast knowledge to help her developers create superior products. At Halstead, Dorothy has consistently been a member of the Producers Council and the Golden Platinum Circle. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Vince? I'm nice doing, to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you for coming. So, um, Dorothy, the city's top real estate brokers have vastly different approaches when it comes to marketing their properties or running their businesses, and some hire large teams of agents to assist them. Others work alone. Some hire assistants, uh, or they join with other agents when it's you know time to, to do a big deal or whatever. But those are sometimes one-off situations. How do you structure your business and why? Well, I I have teamed up with other people in the past, and uh, it's worked well. However, I really enjoy working on my own with an assistant. Um, I've had a small team of up to five people at times. Now I'm working with one assistant. It's working out very well. And whenever I have a property that I feel other uh, agents may join me or if they invite me to join them with selling the property, we uh, collaborate together. What makes a broker successful? We all run around this town. There are thousands and thousands. You know, the big joke sometimes is there are more, you know, <laughs> more brokers in this town than ants. There are so many of them, but not that many of them are successful. Right. So what makes a broker, an agent, successful in this business? Because, there, it, it, there's, you know, you need to sustain. There's a lot of longevity here right. or not. How, how do you stay 
successful? How do you make success, first of all, and how do you stay successful? Well, there are so many factors that go into it. The first thing is that you have to believe that you're going to be successful, and you have to visualize that this is what you're going to accomplish and uh, go after it. And once you do that and you feel confident in it, then you have things that you need to do, like you have to be around, um, go to many events, uh, put yourself out there, meet other people all the time, give out your card, talk to people, um, ask for referrals, just you need to be out there. The other thing, of course, is the mechanicals of the business. You need to know your product very well. You need to do your homework, work hard, and um, just, you know. So you're saying basically being out there in a networking situation because we all have family, we all have friends, we all, you know, have work associates, whatever. So the best way to be out there is to network and make sure. I always tell my younger, mm-hmm. my younger agents, I do the same thing for myself. Just always make sure that you remind everybody you talk to on a daily basis that you are a real estate agent. Because guess what? They don't remember, and they will forget, and opportunities go sideways and long ways and and around us oftentimes. Because I always say, here's the analogy. So think about a couple of your very good friends. Mm -hmm. Do you really know what they do? For work, you might know the company they work for. You might have a general idea, but do you really know what a lot of your friends do to make a living? Um, so so. I know what you mean. I mean, I'm never. I'm not in their office. I'm not there mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So I'm not, you know, with them working. But I have an idea. So I know what you mean. You don't really know, and people don't. They don't really understand how brokers work. Many times. They don't understand the difference between a a selling agent and a buyer's agent. And, um, you know, oftentimes they mix up the two and sometimes make mistakes. And sometimes we get offended because we expect them to understand, but they don't. So many times we have to educate them. But the main thing is you have to stay calm and understand that, as you say, not everybody understands how we work. And um, take it as it comes and do the best you can. It's a very unique situation. I met you many years ago at Halstead Property uh, when I first joined the firm uh, as a brand new agent. And my question to you is, and I know how I know your work ethic and I know how hard you work, what are the characteristics um, that are important in a broker? What, what, you know, we talk about success, but what are the characteristics mm-hmm. that a broker needs to have to you know, find that success and then sustain that success? Well, they have to um, kind of be sometimes therapists in a way because people come in all different shapes and sizes. Some people are very emotional. Some people are very detail-oriented. Some people are very lax. I have a client right now that um, you know, takes her time to respond to something that I'm doing for her. I mean, it takes her two or three days to get back to me as if it's not that important. And there are other people that are on the ball, and they're there every second. You have to understand the differences and work with them and be patient with them. I think that's one of the the successes. The other thing is you have to be a good deal maker. You have to like to make deals. I've heard so many brokers saying the wrong things at the wrong time. You have to be protective of your seller if you're representing your seller or your buyer if you're representing your buyer, and make sure that in the negotiation you are 100% thinking about your client. And, um, you know, if you're a good deal maker and you know your product and you're out there and you're getting referrals, you can't not 
win. You can't well, make- as you say, you know, this is a very unique profession, and so we work very differently than the normal person working nine to five. I mean, you know, I joke all the time that I take my iPhone to bed with me, and it's on the nightstand, you know, while I'm sleeping. When I get up, it's the first thing I, I look for. Because we work unusual hours, we work literally 24 by 7, where, you know, nine to five, you, you hang up your coat at five o'clock, yes. the day is done, and it's over. And for the most part, you're not dealing with any of your clients you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. But in this business, everybody works a different schedule. And so we need to be on and ready for uh, our customers, our clients, whenever they're available. And sometimes it's late at night and sometimes it's 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, but that's the iPhone's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Smartphones. <laughs> I mean, that's what did it. Before we had smartphones, if you remember, I do remember, we weren't working that way. But we, the information is available to us at all times. I woke up at 4 in the morning mm-hmm. and I, you know, I see myself turning on my iPhone and checking my emails. It's ridiculous, but... We are, you know, that's the kind of world we're in. At the same time, it gives affords us the ability to be out in the Hamptons or to be somewhere else and know what's going on and respond and do our work from wherever we are. So it's a big benefit and a, and a, a you know, a deterrent at the same it's, time. It, it's, it's become a pastime, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it, it does work productively uh, for our jobs. We're going to talk a little bit about social media in a bit. But let me ask you this. Are you a specialist? Do you feel like you are a specialist in any particular neighborhood um, or are you kind of a broker that will go all over the place? I know several brokers like to find a niche, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, mm-hmm. downtown, and then some like myself. I don't want to have that niche. I want to be available to my clients all over the city. What is your specialty or do you not have one? Well, I would say that my specialty is selling condominiums. And the way that started was about 23 years ago, I was on site at a building called Three Lincoln Center on 66th Street. Mm -hmm. And from that, I received a lot of referrals and it happened to be a condominium. So it just kind of, you know, uh, kept going from there. And uh, 1996 was a time when the market was going up. So it just mushroomed from there. And I just kind of stayed as a condominium specialist. And I do sell to investors and I uh, do sell to foreigners. I speak a little Hebrew, so that helps. And um, But I do also, I would say that the area that I concentrate the most on is Midtown West and Upper West Side. I live in Midtown West, so that makes a difference. And I also sell in the building I live in, which is the Sheffield. I rent and sell there a lot. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of look at uh, Midtown West and and up, Upper West myself as a as a specialty. Even though I just said I don't like to specialize, and I do and will go all over the place, but it seems to be where a lot of my business comes from. How do you maintain and expand your clientele? So you get clients, you have to keep them for the long term. How do you how do you find them and how do you maintain them? Well. It's very important to be in touch with them. You have to call them on a regular basis. I send out mailings, oh, a few a month. I send out newsletters once in a while, and I keep them informed. Uh, Market reports, you have to be in touch with them on a regular basis or you lose them. And I have lost some clients from not being in touch at times. So it's really important to keep that in mind. And um, as I said, talk to your clients, ask them for referrals, ask them if they know anybody. Some people have on their signature, a referral is the best uh, compliment you can give me. You know, those are, are things that people do look at once in a while and react to it. So just be in touch with them on a regular basis, the most important thing. Those of us who are in the business a long time, 14 years for me, I'm sure a little bit more for you, we tend to get most of our business from referrals. Um, so we talked a little bit before about networking and getting out there and finding customers. Um, do you find at this point that you still have to do a lot of network because your because your referral base isn't as robust, or do you find it's kind of like half and half? Well, I have to t- say that 
I have a varied, um, uh, what, what would I say? Um, uh, I do many different things in real estate. As uh, Vince mentioned before, I build, I've renovated, um, right now building a laundromat. So I have a lot of different interests in real estate, and I don't only do selling. So um, I don't, I, I don't, um, what did you say before? I, I don't, I network. don't, I don't network as much as I used to because of the other interests that I have. But to, if if all you're doing is selling, then you, of course, you you have to constantly, continuously network. And as I said, go to as many cocktail parties as you can that you're invited to because you can find one person there, and that's all you need to, you know, for the month. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go to break, but before we do that, Brian Lewis just stopped by to say hello to us, and I just Hi wanted guys. to say a few words about Brian. He says he appreciates his clients and enjoys his work, and for the past 16 years, he's been recognized as a top producer, one of New York City's and America's preeminent closers who has fun fulfilling the property dreams of his clients. He earns this recognition every day by continually bringing his sales clients the best prices from the best buyers and by guiding buyers to their dream homes. Brian knows how to effectively effectively navigate markets. He loves to market homes. Uh, he enjoys matching buyers to their new properties. He thrives on negotiation, and he has a great time exceeding the expectations of his clients. So we are going to go to break. We'll come back and talk to Brian and Dorothy, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and Brian Lewis has just joined us. And I wanted to ask you, Brian, too, Dorothy and I were talking a little bit a while ago Brokers in this town, successful brokers in this town who have done this for many years, um, structure their businesses in a lot of different ways. Some are teams, some work with assistants, some work by themselves. How do you structure your business to be the success that you are today and why? Well, that's a great question. First of all, thanks for having me, Vince. You're Thank welcome. you. Thank you. Good to see you, Dorothy. You too. I want to say that you know, there's a couple of ways. There's a lot of ways to to run a good business. And I actually started a team way earlier than I had any right to do it. I don't have a team today. What I have today is me 
Brian Lewis, and I have two assistants. Which is enough. <laughs> <laughs> never enough. It's never. It's but enough. I, I, have, I, easy. <laughs> I have two assistants, and really their job all day long is to support me in the office so that I can run around town, do things like this, and have FaceTime with the clients and do as many of my own showings as I can. I'm one of those brokers that likes to have my hands in it. I don't like to delegate my work. I'm comfortable with my assistants doing sort of the, the clerical end, but they can also fill in and show, and they, they have a good track record of getting offers, let me tell you. But I like to be there so that I can communicate with my sellers and maintain that trust. So many brokers, they kind of do a dog and pony. They get the listing, and then they go away. Right. And the seller says, okay, who is this wonderful person that keeps coming in here that I never met and frankly may not have ever hired because what happened to the broker that I wanted? So true. So I like to keep my face in it. And I always tell new brokers starting out, the work, the money, the connections, like Dorothy was saying, they're all outside the office. It's important to structure your day so that you have time at the, at the desk and the computer and do all that. And we kind of always do that 24-7. I know that's true for all of us here at this table. But it's important to be able to get out there in front of the people because that's where they are. That's where the deciders are. That's where the people that have the ability to, to hire you are. So get your support in the office the best way you can. Uh, and when you're just starting out, it's tough because you're burning a lot of candles at a lot of ends. Both ends, exactly. Exactly. So what would you say your real estate business foundation is built upon based on what you just said? What is the foundation of your, of your business? I think it's built upon, I, th- I think it's built upon trust. And communication, because I think, you know, we have so many ways to communicate these days, and it's so important to talk to your clients about the way they prefer to be communicated with and do that and really keep them apprised and keep them involved in the process and really be a great communicator and, and trust People like to work with two types of people, very successful people or people who are like them, and preferably it's the merger of both. And, and that's important. So find people you connect to and find people to build trust to and work, work your tail off. Knowing the both of you the way I know you and have worked with both of you over the years at Halstead and knowing your, your, your work ethic, I would also say that the foundation for both of you is your, your very robust client base, your trusted client base, and your loyal client base. Because as Dorothy and I talked about a little while ago, you know, most of our business at this stage in our in our career comes from the referrals. We do networking, of course. We do networking every day of the week. But most of our business comes from referrals. And without that solid, trusted, loyal base, we don't have much much to talk about. How far does advertising, you know, uh, get you with gaining new clients, Dorothy? Do you do a lot of advertising to do to get new clients? I wouldn't say I do a lot, but I do some, and um, it has brought me some clients every so often. Uh, it's funny, I, there's a client that I sold an apartment to a few years ago, and I asked him where he found my name and where he found me, and he didn't remember. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> but, 
Okay. You know, it was, it was somewhere on the That's internet. Okay. Check off the box. Other. <laughs> good enough <Right>. for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it does help. I, I wouldn't say that the majority of my clients, obviously not, um, come from advertising. But it, it, you have to do everything. You have to do some advertising. You talk to your friends. You go to your network. You, um, you know, you, you just, it's a variety. It's a constant, you know, everything. This is your life. You don't let the, the you don't let it consume you. But at the same time, you have to be involved in, in every aspect of it and be open to it. Brian, do you take advantage of social media? That this social media craze today, with between LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, the new, the new, they, they should call it real estate gram. Really? Do you take advantage of these these sites? I've, I'm very fortunate to have a company that has embraced uh, both of us, Dorothy and I, are with both with Halstead, that has embraced the social networking uh, juggernaut because it's here to stay, guys. It, get on board. Uh, but I, I do it in a very different way. I, I think I, um, I call it anti-social networking. <laughs> I was going to please talk about your videos well, because well, they're probably well, Academy Award winning. Well, that's kind of you. I, my ego loves that you said that. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you that, like, for example, this morning I was uh, getting my girls ready and I needed to tweet and face uh, a, a listing that Emerald Lagasse actually cooked in. So you can go to brianlewis.halsteadagent.com and check it out. But I, I send it out and I try to be provocative with it and I try to get all those hashtags in as best I can. But if you don't get it, guys, ask someone who's 20 or 18 yes. or if you have a nephew or a niece that's hiding in the corner during the holidays <laughs> that's doing something, ask them what they're doing because they're on the next thing because Twitter and Facebook are now co-opted by real estate people, which yeah. makes it super uncool for the real people who create those platforms that we will all jump on in the next few years. Totally so I, I do it. I have a presence. I think that there are a lot of people that live on it, and they, they I think a lot of people feel quite busy all the time. Yeah, but does it really That's, get them clients? You know, if, I don't you know? know. I just like to tell my clients that I have a presence there, mm -hmm. and I push things out there. I think what it does, and what I have found, especially mm -hmm. since this radio show almost a year already, I think it raises your visibility. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to get us clients as, as often as we possibly want mm -hmm. them, but I will tell you, your 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 name out there is is much higher. You know, the more you mm -hmm. use these sites, you know, I've always which one, for example, most, Twitter or uh, Instagram, Facebook? Instagram, Facebook. Actually, all of them, Twitter. You know, uh -huh. I've always been known out there in the in this community for a variety of things that I've done in real estate. Okay. However, the past year, my visibility out to the mm. the community, whether uh -huh. it's clientele or, or brokers, has been raised, and I think a lot of it has to do with me using oh. the social media a lot more than I ever did before. Um, how do you ease this? Well, moving on, how do you ease the stress of closing deals? I mean, we all know this is a very stressful business. As you said earlier, Dorothy, you know, deals are what we live for and what we need to do to make money. But we all know that there's drama and trauma and stress and whatever else involved in almost every one of these deals. How do you ease that stress as you go from well, accepted offer through closing? Because there's a lot that goes on in between. I, as a successful broker, I turn off the chatter. I focus, focus, focus on what I'm doing. And I do it the best way I can, and I go after it. If you start listening and thinking about what this one's thinking and what, how it came about, and what, I can't do that. I have a responsibility to my clients to produce for them. And I just zero in on that, and it usually works out in my favor. You know, I'm a good negotiator. I know what I need to do to get the best price for either the seller or the buyer, and 
that's how I do it. I, I don't know if that's a little but vague. You're, and but you're good at it. I've done I deals with Dorothy. Mm-hmm. She t- puts on the blinders, and she's a present individual, and I like that. I think the turn off the chatter is a big deal, and that's you know a lot of the everyone's staring down at their phones all yeah. the time. Turn it off. Focus on the people. We're in a people business, and we're in a marketing business. We're not really in a property business. It's a people business. It's relationships. And to your point about social networking and videos and all that, and I love doing it, guys, but it doesn't do anything if it doesn't serve my sellers. Absolutely. If it doesn't bring my seller more visibility. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if I can't show that media appearances on Good Morning America and CNN and all these things that we do and I do, that, that has to translate to dollars for them more eyes on them. And having a platform like this radio show and having a platform like social networking and all these things that we do, it, we, it is about us a bit, but it's more about our clients. If it doesn't serve them, what's the point? Well, you're delivering for your client based on how you or how I or Dorothy decide to go out to market and whether it's appearances on television, whether it's doing a radio program, you know, regardless of what it is, you're correct. It translates into dollars for our sellers because maybe people come to see us at our listings and want to be interested in what we have to, to market or sell mm-hmm. because of, of whatever. You know, we have been talked about, you know, on this program, many levels of success, many new people, brand new people. You guys are here because you're top performers in your categories out there in the world of real estate. So my question to both of you is, what kind of advice do you give younger agents coming up in the business? When I came into the business, you know, it was second career, third career, a little older. Today, guys and gals coming out of college or coming into real estate firms wanting to be agents at 22, 23 years old. I'm astounded by that for a whole lot of reasons. But what advice do you give these young folk wanting to become real estate agents? And then how do you make them understand that it takes time to become successful, but you can be successful? I think that the the advice I give is to think of yourself as a farmer and not a hunter. Mm. So people are out there always hunting for the big game. Getting that $20 million listing, and let me tell you, that feels great when you do. Uh, but And we all hunt. To but it's not all that available. Right. It's farming. It's having three fields. One field is the one you're, 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 you're harvesting right now. The next field is the one you're planting. And the, there's a third field that's sort of resting. Those people that were just harvested or those crops were just harvested, I'm going to beat this antidote to death. But that those need care. So you kind of have three hats on every day. The deals you're doing where you turn off the chatter and you're doing the work for the seller or the buyer and you're working it for them, taking away the stress. We're middlemen, guys. You are a middleman. You can dress it up, put on a fancy suit, but at the end of the day, we're shock absorbers for all the drama. That's what we get paid to do. You're the GPS, your client's driving. So the first field is the one you're working on. The second field is the one you're planting for the next, the next crop. And the third field is the one that's really just sitting there resting and you still have to groom that soil you have to groom those relationships because they will give you more crops so you're a farmer not a hunter and it's basically a waiting game and as we all said earlier today you work hard you focus you put those blinders on and you put your head down with your iphone and you go to market and you make it work but those who sustain in this business and, and get to the levels that the three of us are at is because of what you just said you're farming for and you're developing, you're cultivating your ground and your soil to get those gotcha. clients to come and get you, you know, when the time is right for them. So I agree with that. I want to add just Go another ahead. thing. Um, when I started, and I started a long time ago, um, I take 
every client. First of all, I really enjoy real estate. I love selling. I love renting. It's fun for me. Make it fun. If it's not fun, you shouldn't be in it. That's the first thing. Amen. I take rental listings. I take sale listings. A lot of seasoned brokers will not touch a rental listing, but that turns into a sale. And if you're starting, you need those. You need the clients. You need anything you can get. Just enjoy it. Um, have fun with it. I, I, I'll rent an apartment for two thousand or twenty-one thousand, and I'll sell an apartment for five hundred thousand or ten million or twenty million. It doesn't matter. This is the business, and it all brings you referrals, and it all takes you to the next step. So do it all. And if you want to venture mm-hmm. into investing, and I really recommend uh, real estate brokers investing in their own business because it is a business and you should be part of it instead of just making other people money. Um, and, you know, you can vary it and you can get involved in renovations or, you know, there's so many possibilities, but when you start out, just take it all and enjoy it and you'll see how it will grow. Yeah. And I want to say, uh, I agree with you when you talk about fun, because you know, just this morning, for example, I got out of bed and I said, you know, I was excited to come to the, to work today a, to do the show, which I really enjoy doing every week. B, to see you two, because I haven't seen you in a while from Halstead. But C, because I do enjoy every element or aspect of real estate, whether it's selling or renting, whether it's renovation, whether it's advising somebody on interior design. And today happens to be one of those days that I'm going to be involved in probably every one of those things I just mentioned. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that a is perfect awesome. day. Yeah. It's a perfect day, and it's a very busy time at the moment in my particular business with my with my partner. But the but the the good news is though that when you wake up in the morning, it's never you know the same old same old. No. It's something different every day. You and got you that right. Don't always know what it's going to be. We are out of time. I want to say thank you to Brian Lewis and Dorothy Somek. Thank you and a shout out, big shout out to Halstead who got me my start ten uh, fourteen years ago. I can't <laughs> even get over that. Uh, <laughs> love all those guys over there. We do have yeah. to go to break. We have um, we are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. So don't go away. Thank you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. 
All right, everybody, we're back. And I wanted to say thank you once again to Brian Lewis and Dorothy Somek from Halstead Property, uh, two great top-performing stars that I started my career with way back when, 14 years ago. Great people. So uh, winter is notoriously quiet for New York City real estate, but rising prices and lower vacancies are on the rise. New development sales, for example, inventory is hitting, <coughs> new inventory is hitting the market, and resale seems to be getting stronger as well. New Yorkers will have a mass of high-end options with an influx of luxurious new buildings hitting the Manhattan uh, rental market. These properties are almost condo-like with high-end finishes and high-end amenities. Rents are on the rise as apartment supply decreases and demand for rental housing in all of New York City is far outpacing the supply. Many New York City families will be in a state of apprehension as private schools begin sending out their acceptance letters. This is good. As always, this will drive the sales and rental markets as families typically typically want to live closer to their their children's schools. It was a deal no one saw coming when a little-known Chinese insurance company burst onto the scene this fall to buy the iconic Waldorf Astoria for nearly $2 billion. But it's turned out to be the largest ever Chinese investment in a single Manhattan property. (coughs) Also, a Chinese buyer has purchased a $70 million co-op at the Sherry Netherland. This is reportedly the first time that a co-op board of the iconic building has allowed a foreign buyer to buy in the building. And we're going to talk about this next one in a couple of weeks. But the South Bronx is sizzling. The Mott Haven area is bracing for rapid change with the Chetred Group and Somerset Partners leading the march to turn the waterfront industrial area into a residential haven. Development in this area could accommodate as many as $2.8 million, $2.8 million square feet of affordable and market rate apartments. As a matter of fact, I'm meeting with the borough president in the Bronx tomorrow for some um, opportunity uh, in that new sizzling neighborhood. Wow. Yes. You know, Vince Rocco, before we get started, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am good. I know you're already on a tear, (laughs) you know, so I can tell I can barely meet your eyes, but how was your weekend? Uh, My weekend was very good. You're like, when was that, right? Yeah, when was that? No, (laughs) it's just... (laughs) It half existed, actually. Did you get to watch a movie or have a good dinner or something? Something and a good dinner with some friends and stuff, but a movie I did not, and there's lots of stuff that I want to see, but you know, coming up. But this is a very busy week. My business, as I said earlier in the program, for some reason, you know, the, the ebbs and flows, and that's what I wanted to talk about with all of you today, the ebbs and flows in this business is, is really quite amazing, and you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Coming into February, I was like talking to my partner, Shane, thinking, you know what, what, what are we doing? We don't have much on the pi- in the pipeline. We don't have much going on, et cetera, et cetera. Over the last two and a half weeks, I have way too much going on. <laughs> Comes out of the ceiling. It falls from the ceiling. One exclusive after another, after another, we have multiple buyers. It's like no complaints, but it just comes out of nowhere. And I just sometimes want some prep time. But I guess <laughs> after 14 wouldn't years of this, wouldn't that be nice? That was the prep time. Wouldn't That's that be my nice? day today. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The prep time was, answer, was reaching to answer time. the phone. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, no complaints. Actually, uh-huh. no complaints, but a lot of stuff happening. Uh, and radio continuing. Next week, we celebrate one year here at Good Morning wow. New York. And so thank you party, to all party, of you. Party, party, party. But party, we'll, party. We'll, ooh, ooh. we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, joining me today is uh, Bar- <laughs> Perul Brombat from Core, Niall Lundgren from Dalian Realty, Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, Deborah Hoffman, Town Residential, and Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group. So I wanted to ask you guys, as I just talked about my business coming out of nowhere in the last two weeks, two and a half weeks, which is a good thing. 
<coughs> we are almost to the end of the first quarter of 2015. We all know where we ended 14 and we had our predictions for 15. Where do you think the market is you know, right now? Where are we in the market exactly right now? Exactly where we predicted it. <laughs> yes. You're, I so, you're correct on that one for sure. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. What's interesting is I've never been a broker to blame a poor market on the weather because I've always believed that people will move when they want to move or they have to move. But last year for the first time, because we had such a horrible winter, I heard from buyers and sellers, sellers did not want to put their homes on the market because they didn't want to find a place to kill time while we were showing it. And buyers didn't want to go out, especially if they were young families. And I think this year, because it was a second hard winter in a row, it was the same thing. And Vince, you're talking about your business exploding. And I think if we look around the table, mm-hmm. all of ours is just starting to, as the clocks change, the snow melted a little, psychologically, people are getting that momentum, especially if they had the need to move you know, a family of four in an alcove studio, it's time to go. <laughs> Isn't that a fact? But, you know, mm-hmm. I think you're right. In some cases, you know, business is starting. But what I what I have seen, though, not necessarily even in my business, is that we have been progressively moving towards getting busier and busier. And I think even more confidence. You know, for some reason, you know, mid-last year through the end of last year in 2014, I think the confidence level of some of the buyers out there, even the sellers, was kind of flat. You know, people were sort of in this, I don't know what to do mode. Where are we going? Where are we not going? Let's just get through the holidays. Then the end of the year comes. Yes, a second bad winter. But I think people, it, it's it's a cyclical thing in this town. But I see people, you know, they get edgy after a while of just kind of laying low. And now it's time to get out there and get stuff done. And I, I, I'm beginning to see, not only in my business, but in a lot of my agent's business, movement where just a couple of weeks ago it was still kind of stagnant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where it all ends Agreed. and where it all translates mm-hmm. to who knows. But but with all that said, do you see any particular trends out there? You know, trends in sales, trends in, in new development maybe, trends Price in is going up all over the place is the trend that I see. Yep, you know, I mean, I'm just blown away. I wanted to bring up, maybe you don't want to talk about it now, but it would be nice in a few minutes. But it's the whole thing about if you're a, I don't know that brokers really decide I'm a buyer's broker. I'm a seller's broker. I personally have been one that just receives what comes my way. I love representing properties, but I also love buyers. But it's really tricky being a seller's, a buyer's broker right now. So I've got a lot of brokers, I've got a lot of buyers myself. On the heels of that comment, a big whopping shout out to Ivy Ray for doing a gigantic big deal (sighs) that closed last week. Congratulations. Mazel tough. Congratulations. Thank you. But you do represent buyers. You love representing buyers. You do do it well. Yeah. And I love, it's so sweet selling something. Working for a seller is so sweet. You show up at the same place and you know the building really well. You know, it's all beautiful, but it's really rewarding. Right now it's rewarding to get buyers a property because it's so challenging. Well, I'm finding that the buyers are out there. Which was what that was, which was nice. Speaking of working working with sellers along the lines of what you were just saying, Vince, I think I wanted to ask the panel about prices, as you just mentioned. Um, there's a particular building that I've sold a lot of things in, and I'm going to go meet with a seller who's an actual close friend about selling their apartment. And I noticed that there were many apartments on the market. These are larger apartments. They're two- and three-bedroom apartments. And initially, I've watched the building. I know how the prices go. I watch the appraisals. I look at the sold prices. And everything that's on the market now is so much higher. So only one of those apartments went into contract. I don't know for how much. But I'm wondering if you guys are seeing apartments that are priced 
ambitiously, shall we say, are actually going into contract or closing? And what are appraisers telling you? I think new comps are being made every day. That, that's important. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it's hard for appraisers to. Yep. So, so sometimes I've been a listing broker where appraisers have called me and they're like, "Hey, I know that you're, you're, this apartment's in contract, but can you give me some guidance here?" Click. Uh, you know, I'm working. Click. A, I'm working. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah. But that's but that's what they're trying to do is is source as much information as they possibly can. And uh, you know, if we can, you know, guide them in a certain way, you know, it is what it is, and we do that. But if it's a well-priced unit, I see it off the market two weeks. Um, if it's if it's something that's really ambitious, I mean, I get the ambitious, but really ambitious. That's when you see it on the market for seventy five, you know, ninety days, mm-hmm. and then you know that's when you kind of approach those those types of deals a little bit differently. Seller might be getting a little anxious because they're like, oh, why is the, the market moving so fast and mine's sitting? And then you know, as a buyer's mm-hmm. broker, you could help out and try and get a, a lower price point. And I think speaking of trends, I think <clears> that's exactly it. I think that people, I think sellers are pricing ambitiously because they're seeing that sort of. In it, with certain buyers, it's almost like an anything goes market to a certain degree because there's such low inventory. Um, however, I think that it, I also see that the brokers who take the listing and if you know, there's there's a certain number of brokers that tend to do most of the listings actually in this town, and you sort of understand what their pricing strategy tends to be, or how well versed they are, or how realistic they are, and about how they manage their sellers' expectations. So I think what the key comes down to is you knowing your stuff and having the great relationships in the industry to get the deal done. Because really, you have to be able to sort of say, okay, I see that this is priced sort of in the rafters. I think <clears> this is where the price should fall, and it's about working with the other broker to getting it done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, speaking of trends, is um, I think that as far as appraisals are concerned, personally in my business, I'm seeing that almost consistently all my buyers are putting down well over that 20% mark. So I have a, most buyers who are buy, putting down like 30, 35, 40% to all cash. So I'm actually seeing a lot more liquid money getting put into real estate right now than I've ever before. Personally, I don't know if that's the trend that you guys are noticing. And you work well. with a lot of international so, buyers. Right? I do, yeah. I do. And that's, so, where, that's yeah. where that's coming. From. Yeah, which makes it the appraisal process easy for sure, but yes. Go ahead. Oh, go, I was going to say, no, I'll say one strategy that we're starting to, starting to use with some buyers is because they're losing out on these bidding wars and say the price is a million and they're going for $100,000 over a million, we're saying start looking at things that are 10% above what you want to pay, which may be quote-unquote overpriced, and then they're sitting on the market a little bit, exactly. and then mm-hmm. they're negotiable. Because otherwise, if you're constantly going at things that are priced where you you know where you where think you want to go, they're going to wind up 10% higher, especially those ones that are priced well. So we're starting to look at things that are priced more than where they initially started and that are sitting on the market. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully those places are negotiable. Because otherwise, h- how else are you going to expand your inventory? Because it's just, you know. I was yeah. going to say the same thing. That's a good, that's a good strategy. So. Yeah. On the investor side, Deborah and I were talking about uh, before the show started in the green room how the dollar is strong and it's keeping some of the investors, the, the, these wonderful yeah. investors that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, from coming into this country at the moment and buying on the uber luxury high-end level. And what I was looking at the other day by way of reading an article uh, that um, a lot of the higher price, $25 million, $30 million, $35 million homes are being reduced because mm-hmm. those those. Foreign buyers, those uber wealthy buyers, uh, are not doing it at the moment because of the the strength of the dollar. All right, we're going to take a break. We have to come back. First, you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back with Perul Brombat. Now Lundgren, Rachel Altshuler, Phil Horrigan, Ivy Ray, and Deborah Hoffman, and we're talking about um, the current status of the market here in New York City. Now there's talk about, just talk about, doing away with the 1031 exchanges. How will this affect the marketplace? I mean, uh, this is really for investor um, buyers, but and you know, I don't know where it will end up, but what is the thought here on 1031 exchanges potentially going away? Well, 1031 provides an exception allows you to allows you to postpone um, paying t- capital gains tax on a sale. So you have to identify another property within 45 days of like kind and then close on it within within 180 days. So what that allows you to do is is trade up. So you you put 100 grand into a 10 percent down into a million dollar property. You sell it. You buy something at 1.5 with that hundred thousand. You keep trading up, 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 and that's how you're able to get bigger properties for a small investment. It's really awesome for a lot of the investors mm-hmm. that I work with, I know it's going to be crazy on the commercial side because commercial, if you're buying buildings, keeps going up and up and up. And a lot of the buyers in commercial are, will pay a higher premium because they're in a 1031 tax exchange. They're going to either going to pay the money in, in capital gains tax or they're going to pay a little bit more than the average buyer and they're able to get that. So I think it'll really put a chokehold on, I think, the industry, commercial and residential in general. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't, I'm not a Especially fan of that. Especially domestic because... The- the 1031 mm. exchange refers to 1031 of the IRS code. Yeah. Right. And it's for people who are paying income taxes who are more domestic. Right. So I think it'll really freeze things a little bit for the domestic I, high-end buyer, I which feel we like still the, see a lot of. I feel like the number of turns we do with the same buyer or, you know, slash seller is what's going to go down mm. tremendously. Yeah, I, I have one of those potential coming up, so I don't know what it's going to do or or if it's going to change, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it does affect the I have an interesting question. Does anybody understand the motivation behind that occurring? Behind no. this going away? Well, it's just more the government revenue. getting more tax revenue. That's yeah. it. Right. More tax revenue sooner, sooner, sooner than, than later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, of course, it's the same thing because they're going broke, so they're just trying Poor things, poor things. Yeah. Oh, Let's hope it doesn't go so through. Of all things, not this. Yes, yeah. not this, yeah. All right, so I hear 
I hear that um, young college grads are mo- not migrating to New York City as much as they used to. Where are they going? Very interesting. What was the old, you know, the old dream? You 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 grew up someplace in the USA. You go to school. You you want to come to New York, make your living, find the American dream. It appears from several articles and research that I've been doing this past week that new young college grads are not necessarily first and foremost migrating to New York City. Where are they going? Can and, you blame them? Well, technology. Yeah. And I think any place that's technology-driven is what's going to have a big draw in today's in today's world. Mm-hmm. So I think it's no longer um, – I think since 2007, 2008 – the finance industry is not what the big draw is um, the way that it used to be. I think now it's technology. And so San Francisco, I know Austin, Texas. Niall had mentioned Austin, Texas. Yeah, I saw something about Cincinnati. So. Yeah. Um, and also, I think people can re- work remotely. I also think that yep. there's a lot of international opportunities that are showing up for, for younger people as well. Do and you, you find tech companies can relocate, I'm sorry to interrupt you, anywhere they want. Yep. Because they can be anywhere. And they tend to be a group of people that appreciate, you know, a lot of them are athletes. A lot of them, they, they have, they have um, a lifestyle that they want to have somewhat accommodated and they can afford to have that living, not in San Francisco where rents are higher. I mean, there's cities, but there's all these great cities in the United <laughs> States that have been kind of off limits to a lot of people and tech companies can go anywhere they want. That's very true, but this, cool. but also this work, work at home phenomenon that's been mm-hmm. going on for a long period of time, as Perul just said, I mean, you can work anywhere, including internationally, but... You know, I want to get back to the lifestyle aspect of the young college grad coming out of school, coming to New York, finding the American dream in New York City, not necessarily in the middle of the country or in the South. So, yes, you can find a job. Yes, you can probably do very well, whether it's technology or whatever it is. But do you feel like there's something missing being out of the New York lifestyle? And and how will that affect, you know, the, the youth? going forward with, again, I keep saying that American dream and, and finding it in New York and, and conquering it in New York. And if you can do that in New York, you can do it anywhere. I, I just How does say, that affect them? I want to say one thing. We're pushing the New York dream away Well, by, you know, we're pricing it out, man. So I think a lot of people where they just undeniably, depending on if the, whether they were in tech or not, New York was one of the places people had a dream of coming to since they were in the ninth grade. They were like, I'm going to well, do it still New York, is. man. I think, yeah, I think I know, regardless of how much we price them out. But, yeah. but the people are always going to find yeah. a way. You know, they're always going to gentrify a new area. They're going to put two people, three people in a one bedroom. You know, I see that with agents that are in my, in my office mm-hmm. talking about that kind of stuff. Literally, we're doing two deals where there's two people in one bedrooms in the same week. So people are figuring out ways to live in a one bed together. Or they're going in to order Brooklyn. To be, and yeah. going but to, even Brooklyn matter. is not cheap. I know. Anymore. I mean, it's really cha- – we have to admit it's changing. Yeah. And people that are more conservative and people that were planning ahead, right. New York was the place. And now they're like, huh, maybe not. Well, but, not, and not only that, I'm actually seeing, uh, you know, upper 20s, lower 30s, you know, like that age group consistently deciding to move out of New York because at some point I, and it's it's a different it's a different point of view I think the point of view is very much because I feel like the city is and increasingly getting so congested and the lifestyle is so full throttle that I think people are actually taking kind of the foot off the pedal a little bit saying you know I've had my fun I've done this for a while and I'm okay with now just going to make a lifestyle choice go somewhere where it's warmer where I can ride my bike more or whatever say to ride the bike yeah. and then climb a mountain and, climb yeah. a mountain. and I think the that there's, there's an interesting mm-hmm. change I think that that's, that's happening that's about wanting balance versus wanting the full throttle life 
I mean, I think that there's kind of a sea change happening as much as there's always going to be people who want to be here. Right. You know? I really agree with you yeah. in the youth. Yeah, and the I see 20-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, because my son is that age. And they're, yep. they're making choices that are based on something so much so, different. Yeah. They're like... F New York, man. Yeah. They're, oh, they're, you know, they want to be it's where they true. can be happy. Yeah. Well, I, I think the question is also, as we're talking about ages, I think Phil could probably address all the answers to this better than us because of the lease break and all these things. You see a lot more of this. But not to sound like an old lady, which I am the old lady here, but <laughs> I remember when I, when I came here in the late 70s and we had three girls in a one-bedroom apartment, all from different parts of the country, and that was when New York was scary, which it no longer is. But we were pinching pennies. Things don't change. New York is the place. It's always going to be pricey. So if you're in college or just out of college, you still want to see if you could spend your time here for a while. Yeah. You still want to try to make it. And even if it's for I one year. Always will. Yeah. Even, even if it's, if it's for a short a few period years. of time. Yeah. Exactly. But let's. But I think. Yeah, um, well, I'm going to say I'm not willing to I'm not willing to concede yet that New York is not the place where things are changing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing, you know, people now a lot of people are posting on lease break shares, for example, Mm -hmm. and I mean they're just Mm -hmm. the the amount of inquiries and people that want these shares and people want to be here. I would need to see the data, I think, to see if this is really true that people are not coming here as much. I'm not seeing it. I think I think people love the city as much as they always have, and uh, look, things are getting more expensive. I I agree with that, of course, and but. They, they always have. I don't think it's always, really always. I don't think I agree, it's yeah. really changing. I agree with know? both of you. It always yeah. has been, it always will be, and that's part of the mystique yeah. of this town. And again, the American dream, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Deborah, let me ask you something. We saw tremendous gains in 2014 in the co-op marketplace. How are we today in first quarter 2015 in that market? Gains price-wise? Price-wise. Oh, yes. Well, they are going up. I think a lot of Co-op owners who have been holding on through the downturn, waiting for their imaginary price, those imaginary prices are coming to be. (laughs) And that's what puzzled me so much in this specific building because these ambitious prices were so off my radar and one of them is in contract already. So Mm -hmm. I, I see it. I see the prices are going higher, but they're not taking the huge leaps that the condos are because it's a different product, but the prices are going up. But there seems to be a lot more activity in the co-op market. For example, in my company, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of my uh, agents are dabbling in co-op deals, and it's freaking them out because it's a lot more difficult than doing a condo deal. Because I'd say probably 75% of our business is condo. So mm-hmm. I've had plenty of co-op experience through the years, but even my business has completely converted almost to all condos. So I'm seeing a few more, a lot more, I should say, co-op board packages than I had been seeing in the last two or three years. Um, and it's interesting. Niall, what, um, how's the rental market today? I mean, is it is it as hot as people are saying it is? Yeah, so I, I have a lot of agents that focus on on rentals throughout the city. <laughs> and you know what I've been seeing from them is, is we, what you were talking about earlier was the, the ebb and flow of the business where you know it seemed like at the beginning of the year absolutely nothing was happening. And then the last two weeks of January, it was absolutely insane. Every agent was popping two or three deals in a week. Um, and then you know February, when it was really cold, we kind of saw that, that go down. And then and then it came back up. And I think right now, um, even even at the beginning of March, it was a little slow. And now it's really starting to pick up where it's people calling our agents saying, hey, you know, I need to find something right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. two of my agents did deals yesterday, just literally ran to the Upper East Side, showed two places, deal. 
Harlem deal. You know, so it's it, it, I think the it, it's very sensitive, but when it's on, it's on. I think we're now uh, in, 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 like starting to get to that point where it's going to be fire. As yeah. Dorothy Sobek said earlier, let's make deals. All right, unfortunately, we are out of time. That is Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, live. You can also catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.